Um, the Christadelphians love to talk about the kingdom of God. It's the central message of the Bible. It uh, talks about how God called people to enter into that kingdom. It talks about the territory of that kingdom. It talks about the conditions and the responsibilities of those that desire to be in the kingdom. It talks about the qualities of that kingdom. And we really love to talk about the subject because, because it is a focus for our faith and our belief in the, the word that God has spoken, of which the Bible spends a lot of time talking about. Uh, now, that, uh, that comes in various forms. There's all kinds of elements of that kingdom that are talked about. Um, but when we dig a little bit deeper, we find that the actual uh, technical parts of the kingdom, there's not a lot of detail. Um, we know where it is. We know that it's going to be a global kingdom. We know that it's going to have Jesus Christ as the leader. Um, but the details and uh, some additional details uh, are a little bit scarce. Uh, but one thing that, that God in his wisdom is concentrated on is what are the qualities and the attributes of those that inhabit that kingdom, lead that kingdom, and take that kingdom through its various stages because it is a, a changing kingdom. And so we want to look this evening, this evening at uh, seven or more reasons to actually want that kingdom. And to, uh, to want that kingdom, of course, we must understand what that kingdom is. <clears throat> Uh, so the, the chapter that we read this evening, I'm going to call Isaiah's Prophetic Parable. It is uh, a very, very interesting uh, section of the scripture. And uh, it, it, of course, speaks of future events in that it is prophetic uh, as of the time of writing, approximately uh, 3,000 uh, years BC. Uh, Isaiah spoke to the people of Israel uh, about events that were going to happen in the future. Um, and he is also going to talk about things that were going to happen right there and, and of course, uh, things that were going to happen a long way off in the future. But the interesting thing about the chapter that we read is it's also a parable, okay? And a parable is a biblical method of teaching that explains to us a quite a difficult picture by the use of word pictures, all right? So it's explained a difficult concept simply okay by using word pictures you might have heard of the lord jesus christ using parables parable of the sower parable of the prodigal son is a common one okay so parables are a method of teaching and isaiah 11 has this strong parabolic uh, or, or, or parable contained in its um in its message and, and it might seem unusual to find that we're going into an Old Testament chapter to read about the kingdom of God. In actual fact, uh, you wouldn't have found the phrase there, anything mentioning the kingdom of God. You will see phrases like, my holy mountain. You will see uh, phrases like, um, you know, the place where Yahweh is going to be. You will see phrases like a highway. You will see other phrases in there with uh, some uh, meaning, but you won't find the word kingdom of God. So Christadelphians, however, are Bible students, and this evening's address is really a, a collection of concepts that we have learned over time and applied and use uh, this. And I hope by the end of this evening, you will know a little bit more about the character or the style of the kingdom of God that this chapter is really all about. But, so let's ask the question, or let's try and answer the question that you may have on your mind, uh, what is God's kingdom? <clears throat> well, a key part of that kingdom is the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ, organised um, on the, uh, when I learned how to spell, sorry, organised an effective community of people on earth under the leadership of Jesus Christ and his immortal assistants. Okay, so the world will be a very different place. There's immortal people on the world at that stage. Having a central place of worship with the express purpose of renovating and restoring the whole world, okay, to social, economic and territorial health. And it is a, a preparation for perfection in every way. And the Bible talks about events that happen 
after a thousand years. So sometime in the future, very soon Christadelphians believe, Jesus Christ will come back to this earth under the, uh, under the issue of a statement by his father and returning to, uh, to the Middle East will then establish uh, a various uh, um, uh, elements uh, to begin that thousand year reign, which is the general phrase for the kingdom of God. It then introduces, after that thousand years, a time of eternity because there are these phrases in the Bible, like in Numbers and in the, the chapter that we read uh, this evening, in verse 9, uh, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And here's our first expression that is like uh, a, you know, a comparison of ideas. So just like the waters cover all the area of the sea, it's, uh, it's an anomalous sort of statement, isn't it? Of course the waters cover the sea. That is what the sea is, it's water. Okay, so the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. And of course that's not gonna happen in an instant. God works in wonderful ways to produce a result using people, in some cases using angels, and in, of course, in the, the time of the Lord Jesus Christ's reign, his immortal assistants, who uh, in the Bible are called saints. And it is, I propose to you, a good place to spend your and my eternity. That is our ambition. That is Christadelphian's ambition, and it's a wonderful hope that we want to share. Uh, just to round that out a little bit, the heir to the throne of the kingdom of God, okay, um, we're going to call that is uh, Jesus Christ, which we can find all over the Bible, but uh, we're going to find this evening in, in uh, a constructed uh, parable. Uh, he told his disciples, Jesus Christ told his disciples to pray this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the very leader of this kingdom is instructs the, uh, those who are in prospect of becoming uh, part of that kingdom, he says, pray that God will convert the earth to a place of perfection as it is in heaven. <coughs> Uh, another interesting parable, just uh, when we're looking for phrases like the, the kingdom of God, is uh, in Mark. And Jesus said, with what can you compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? And here's another expression uh, of, this, uh, of this method called uh, teaching by parable. Mark records that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ said, the kingdom of God is like the grain of mustard seed, when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds of the earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And that picture that we understand very readily because we've seen tiny little seeds planted in the ground grow into big trees, um, and unless your garden is like mine, but uh, you've seen that trans transition of things that have small beginnings and the mustard seed is apparently a minute little seed that just blows out of your hand very readily, okay? And yet it grows into a substantial tree so that uh, birds nest in its shade. So Jesus Christ wants us to understand that the kingdom of God may not appear to be as grand in people's appreciation, um, it may appear to be misunderstood. It may be, appear to be small and even ignoble in comparison to other concepts or other kingdoms, but it does grow and develop in the most unlikely places to produce remarkable results. People that look and marvel and see a great development. It develops in people's hearts and minds, okay, uh, and we call that faith, don't we? Okay, so the extended meaning of that parable is that people have to inhabit this kingdom, okay, and they develop the qualities that pertain or belong to that kingdom, just like the little seed dropped in the ground, a seed of mustard growing into remarkable things. 
So if the kingdom of God seems to you to be underwhelming, understand that Jesus Christ told his saints that it is something that grows and develops. It's not something that appears uh, fantastic or glitzy uh, in, the, in the start. <clears throat> well, that remarkable development of a little seed to a great tree is also what the quality of the kingdom of God is like, as Jesus said. It has a, a remarkable uh, social development, as we will see, hopefully. It's a remarkable judicial development. That means justice, equity for all kinds of people will be part of this kingdom. It'll be um, all that the world craves at the moment when you see movements starting up to express the inability of current, even, dare I say, very, very capable, very wealthy democratic governments to, to adjust to the, um, to the very great uh, needs that the world has. And of course, uh, the pandemic that we're experiencing is the uh, is is uh, showing some of the frustrations that even capable nations have of managing that. So here we are in the 21st century with all the technology, computers, data, ability, knowledge, and of course the world struggles to contain a very very small germ. Uh, well, our, um, to go back to Isaiah 11 and just to introduce a little bit more about this. Uh, let's start at verse 1 and just have a look at what the, para, uh, what the prophet wants us to understand about the type of character and the, the things it involved in the kingdom of God. He says in verse 1, there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. And this is a very picturesque language. It doesn't seem to make sense. Okay, it's a mixture of symbols, isn't it? It's a mixture of a tree growth symbol, like the parable of the mustard seed. Okay but with another element, okay? Uh, and it's talking, and I've tried to um, establish some pictures there of what Isaiah is trying to portray, portray to us. And using that anomaly, he's saying that uh, a branch shall grow out of the roots of this man called Jesse. And of course, Jesse was the father of David, okay? Who was in the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. And he said, There's something remarkable going to happen in the natural lineage of Jesse, okay, as his, uh, as his parentage uh, ends up in uh, becoming involved in this person that is called the branch. Now, what do we say? It's a person. Well, you'll notice that the word branch there has a capital B. So it's uh, not just a noun, it's what we call in English a proper noun for all those intelligent, uh, you know, uh, attending great schools. They will see that that is a title of a person. Okay, who's the branch? And why does Isaiah use this? Well, there's some very specific qualities that he's going to talk about, um, about that. But sometimes we have to compare... Bible passages with Bible passages to understand who he's talking about. And it doesn't tell us immediately what that's about. And Christadelphians love exploring the Bible to find out what this message, message is all about. So uh, go there if you're interested. Zechariah chapter 6 verse 12 also speaks about this man that is called the branch. And if we go to uh, Zechariah 6 verse 12... Um, uh, the, uh, the prophet Zechariah, who was after the prophet Isaiah, uh, was told by the Lord, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man, okay, so now we know it's a human, whose name is the branch. He shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Verse 13. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon its throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Okay? Now that may appear to be a little confusing passage. Okay, so here is a man called the branch who is going to be the heir to the throne that uh, started with Jesse and ended up in Jesus Christ. Well, you can go to Matthew to find that out. 
and, and he will build the temple of Yahweh. Now there's a play on words here. Okay, the temple is going to be a physical temple, but it's going to contain people because the type of ruler he is, as it's expressed here, is he is a priest. That means he's an intermediary, okay, between God and mankind and his multiple roles as a king and priest are what his um, role is in this kingdom. And it says the council of peace shall be between them both. So we know that it's a man that's going to raise up in the, uh, in the lineage of Jesse, who was the father of King David of Israel. So he will be a Jew and he will become okay, the king priest of a time when peace will be evident in the world. So that's a description or uh, an explanation of who the branch is. But what is the branch like? <clears throat> Hopefully not like that. Right, here we go. Uh, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Okay. The spirit is a word uh, that is uh, literally means breath or wind in the Hebrew uh, translation of the Bible, Bible, because the Old Testament was originally written in ancient Hebrew, okay? And we're told that the, the breath of God would rest upon him. That means God is going to be involved very specifically with this man that is called the branch, who is the lineage of Jesse. So now we start to understand why there's a, uh, there's a stump of Jesse with a, little root, root, uh, with a little plant coming out, shall grow out of the root. A little shoot will grow out of his, uh, of his root. So God is going to be invested into a man in the line of Jesse and give him a spirit or a character or he's going to give him the life of the, uh, the, the character of God to, uh, and it will rest upon him. There's going to be a very specific interaction with this man uh, by God. What else is it going to do? <clears throat> well, that spirit, okay, that breath is going to include the characteristics of wisdom and understanding. He would be wise and thoughtful. Um, he will um, have the spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of counsel means to be able to give and receive uh, advice. Okay? So you will be able to go to the branch, the Lord Jesus Christ, and ask for very specific very, very, uh, you know, advice on anything. And of course, the answer you will get will be from God himself because the spirit of the Lord is resting upon him. And not only will he be able to give that advice, he will be able to do it with might. That is valor or strength of argument or action. So there will be a compelling, supporting uh, response to the advice that he gives. Plenty of counsellors give advice today without the ability to deliver the results. Okay, just cost you a lot of money to take that advice. And of course, it's, uh, as they say in the industry, all care and no responsibility. Here's a counsellor that combines his advice with exceptional might and strength. Not only that, he has the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Okay. What does that influence him to do? Well, he will not judge after the sight of his eyes or reprove after the hearing of his ears. And that's a scriptural expression to say he will take uh, uh, other elements of judgment that are not quite as obvious to everybody else. And we read in various parts of the scripture about the ability and the discernment of God's word being like a two-edged sword. Hebrews 4, 
It talks about it being a, a sword that cuts to the inner thoughts and motives. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, as, the, uh, as being influenced by God, has the ability to judge not just what he sees and hears from other people, he will judge understanding the motives and inner thoughts. And we're told of Jesus Christ, the, uh, the gospel uh, uh, writers talk about Christ in this way, saying he knew what was in man when he made decisions in his uh, time, uh, his three and a half years of ministry in, uh, in the earth. He could perceive and understand the motives. And, and when you read the gospel records, you find the Lord Jesus Christ making decisions based on what people are thinking. That's a remarkable quality. Okay? Humans today don't have the full power and strength of that ability, but they do have the ability, uh, having been educated in the word, to understand what the typical behaviours of human natural thinking is. And of course, this quality allows him to rule with some remarkable power and influence. Not only will he know what people uh, do and understand, he will reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. Okay? To reprove means to convict, to decide or make judgment. Okay? And he will do that with equity. Okay? For not just the people that can afford an expensive lawyer, but he will do it for the meek. People who are not selling their own ambition. People who do not have the courage. People that do not have the will. The downtrodden. Okay, the people that don't see themselves as any value. He will say, no, the right thing to do is uh, make this judgment. Okay, regardless of what money you've spent on lawyers, uh, law uh, lawyers, regardless of what money you've spent on advertising or marketing campaigns, what, 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 regardless of what uh, interference with voting systems, regardless of all those things, here is the ability of the branch who can divide between all of those things to make a very definitive and very accurate assessment of, uh, of judgment. Okay, so there's really seven uh, qualities, or, or seven, um, uh, uh, sorry, there's six, let's go to the seventh one. Uh, with righteousness shall he judge the poor. So not only will he take the downtrodden, those that have been involved in uh, maybe circumstances beyond their own control, maybe living in a place where poverty is... Uh, is unable to be escaped from. They're, it's inextricable that they can uh, they can get out of the routine uh, and the uh, and the poverty. And anybody visiting, uh, you know, Southeast Asia a couple of years ago would understand the length and the depth of some of that poverty. More so now, as a, uh, a pandemic has hit the world. So um, here is the ability of somebody to make a right decision. Okay even with the poor involved, okay? So it won't depend on, on how much money you can throw at it. He will not make a decision based on how much he has been bribed or influenced or, uh, or um, you know, what fake news has been uh, mentioned about him, okay? So just think about that for a moment, uh, that, that here is a remarkable person. There really are seven plus reasons why we want the kingdom of God. And the world is desperate for that kind of quality. Okay, so let's just dig down a little bit further uh, into, into that, uh, those things that we've um, looked at. Let's just take maybe in simple language. <clears throat> this is uh, what I believe will, um, will be the, the summation of that, that little verse. God will directly influence him wise and thoughtful i would love to see a wise and thoughtful leader maybe especially in america or uh, hopefully now that the transition has happened to biden okay the ability to give good advice and to make good the outcomes of that advice okay 
He knows the laws of God and respects the God of heaven. He's impartial in decision-making, seeking to make truthful decisions, even those uh, for those that can't afford an expensive lawyer or, or, or are less fortunate circumstances, even the oppressed, the forgotten, the mild and shy people that live on the earth. Okay? Imagine if you had the ability to live in a society um, called the kingdom of God that had a man at the uh, responsible for the societal and cultural uh, uh, part of that um, uh, and influencing that. So let's just dig a little bit deeper into what Isaiah is talking about this evening. <clears throat> Firstly, the spirit of the Lord, as we read, uh, shall rest upon him. <clears throat> what is that spirit? What's that um, God-breathed ability? What is that overriding characteristic? What is the, the influencing powers of this man that is called the branch? Well, to do that, let's go back to Exodus 34, because um, uh, there is a remarkable statement here when Moses wanted to understand who God was and God was prepared to tell him. Moses inquired and said, I want to know who God is. And God says, well, I'm not going to show you who I am. What I'm going to do is tell you who I am. Okay. And here's the qualities of the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, who is going to influence this man called the branch who will set up God's kingdom on earth. Verse 6 of Exodus 34. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God. So there's his title. We've seen it in Isaiah. We've seen it in other places in Zechariah. What is he like? He's merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Here's that word truthfulness coming up again. It's a fundamental Hebrew word that is used over and over in time. And that little couplet there, goodness and truth, uh, are often combined together in the context of talking about God uh, and the character of the Lord. Okay? Goodness and truth, remember that. Keeping mercy for thousands. So he preserves a merciful approach. He forgives iniquity. When somebody makes a mistake, God shows the ability to be able to forgive if that person approaches him in the correct manner. Okay? And not only iniquity, all the other elements and mistakes that humans make combined in these summarised words called transition, uh, transgression and sin other forms of mistakes that humans make. Okay? God is able to forgive all of them. It is a fundamental part of the character of God. And that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children. So if your perception of God was that he ignores, forgets, and, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and doesn't remember sin or problems or mistakes, that's not correct. He is able to forgive it. That's a very different process. Okay? And here is a God that has memory of things and preserves and understands and desires that his children come to him and seek forgiveness for those things that, that, that do it. And over and over and over in the scriptures, uh, the Bible, the word of truth, we find the repetition of the long-suffering forgiveness and ability of God to change people's lives, not um, accumulate, remember, store, and, uh, and rebuke because of their sins. And I think this is a uh, perhaps a misperception of, of God in that he is an aggressive one that wants to, um, uh, you know, wants to um, uh, rebuke and harm and, and cause hurt to people. That is not the God 
that we are talking about. It is not the God of the Bible. Nine elements there of things pertaining to the long-suffering ability of God to preserve, the willingness he has to see people change their lives, the patience that he has with people even though they make mistakes. Albeit, he is not prepared to ignore sin in people's lives. And uh, we need to understand uh, what sin is uh, to, to be able to understand that clearly. So here's the character of God. The predominant theme is of a God that is willing to work, develop, preserve, um, and, and use the steadfast love that he has and faithfulness to his promises for people to assist them attain to the kingdom of God. And even when he does make judgment, it doesn't go on forever. He says here, it is contained unto the third and to the fourth generation. Okay? He does not have a desire to eternally damage or harm people. So the, the, uh, the modern concept of uh, hell and burning in hellfire is not what the Bible talks about in terms of God. He is always has the ability if people turn back to him to uh, to uh, and seek repentance to uh, to forgive them of their sin transgression and iniquity he is described that is the god who influences his son the lord jesus christ called the branch in isaiah 11 uh, with uh, like a father um, that, is, uh, that is prepared to go to great lengths to preserve his family, that he wants to be part of that kingdom. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I just have to go th through this a little bit now. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, going back to Isaiah 11, Okay, what does that entail? Well, uh, um, <laughs> just to quote a modern uh, probably phenomena in terms of human terms, Elon Musk said, I hate when people confuse education with intelligence. You can have a bachelor's degree and still be an idiot. <laughs> sort of in the way he says things. Okay, Elon's reflection is, of course, um, about the fact that he set up a space agency, an electric car company, and, and other phenomenal things without a degree of any kind. But the fact we want to take away is that understanding knowledge and information are useless in the world uh, unless that wisdom and knowledge is applied in a beneficial, sensible and effective way. Not that Elon Musk does that necessarily all the time. And then on top of being an effective decision maker, using all the facts to benefit um, you know, the, the effect of leadership. So consider the leaders in the world. Uh, you know, here's the wisdom and understanding that are used uh, in, in, uh, it, it, by the branch. And of course, it's going to be leadership without subterfuge. It's going to be decisions without bias. It's going to be decisions that uh, benefit others and uh, society as a whole. <clears throat> So Jesus Christ will apply the qualities of wisdom and understanding across all the decisions that he makes. Uh, the spirit, the motive, the attitude, the quality of those decisions will be applied for the benefit and the uh, establishment of the kingdom of God. Consider the leaders that we have today, and not all of them are, uh, fall into all categories, but uh, the frequency of... Uh, you know, uh, them tripping up with derogatory comments, uh, biased uh, implications, poor personal behaviour, improper moral behaviour. Okay, here's a leader who applies decisions with wisdom and understanding and has uh, no, as we would say, skeletons in the cupboard. He's impeccable in his moral qualities because he has applied the spirit, the character, and the, uh, the things that define God in his life. Just to develop that a little bit further, um, here is the next quality, the spirit of counsel 
uh, and might. Um, so counsel is prudence. We talked about the ability of a counsellor to talk and give good advice. It's done with force and power. So here's somebody that's a trusted source of information. It might be personal life direction. It might be, um, you know, we might take advice from a number of counsellors today, mightn't we? It might be dietary, it might be financial, okay? It might be life direction, it might be exercise. We go to all kinds of counsellors to take additional information on board or understand something that we don't understand. Well, here's one that is going to use his expertise in every area to benefit the kingdom of God. Okay, a unique and uh, incredible approach um, to, to what is uh, happening in the world. Not only that, uh, the, spirit and knowledge, uh, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Okay, the fear of the Lord is more pertaining to the reverence of God's principle. Okay, it's not talking about um, uh, fear as in being afraid. Uh, the word here in the Hebrew has the implication to, to respect, adore and follow the characteristics of God. So he will practice mercifulness. He will practice justice. He will practice those things that we read of in, um, in uh, Exodus 34. Uh, he understands the motives of people. We briefly dealt with that <coughs> um, uh, before. Those qualities to not to be unbiased by what people's appeal is, and uh, and of course, um, you know, to to work with those people to achieve uh, a better good. He will reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. The world really needs uh, that, doesn't it? You know. Um, how, how is it that we have got to this point in human history with the information, the tools and the knowledge that we have and still the meek of the earth are oppressed? Still there are people who, that don't have the ability to make a decision themselves and therefore they are used. Maybe uh, your thought goes to some of the um, states in South Africa that... Uh, that are un, in incredible places in terms of their lack of justice for those that are meek. What about poverty? Poverty, growing world problem. Massive problem now that a pandemic's hit. Okay, Here's a man that's going to judge with righteousness the poor. Um, I read an interesting article from the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. Research shows that the inequality gap between the rich and the poor has widened after previous epidemics. <clears throat> and COVID-19, they say, will be no different. The IMF says policymakers must put in place risk sharing and social assistance mechanisms to protect the most vulnerable from future economic adversity. The COVID-19 crisis is now widely seen as the greatest economic calamity since the Great Depression. In January, the IMF extended global income to, to grow through, uh, sorry, in, in January, the IMF expected global income to grow 3%. It is now forecast to fall 3%, much worse than during the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009. Behind this dire statistic is a grimmer possibility. If past pandemics are any guide, the toll on poorer and vulnerable segments of society will be several times worse. Indeed, a recent poll of top uh, economists found that the vast majority felt the COVID-19 uh, pandemic will worsen inequality in part through its disproportionate impact on low-skilled workers. This, um, uh, this is a fearful prospect. The very opposite will happen when Jesus Christ comes to the earth and establishes God's kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth with his saints, okay, and the inequalities, the inequities of that will be changed forever. And uh, what will lead to that 
is a statement by a man that has the ability to divide between the thoughts and intents of man and call out when, when those intents and those moral behaviours are not in accordance with the spirit of God that we read about in Exodus 34. Well, this concludes our section on uh, the qualities or the attributes of the branch as the king leader of the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. And Isaiah then goes on to give us a very interesting picture of what will happen culturally based on the decisions made by the branch. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Let's take one statement at a time, uh, even though the PowerPoint appears to be um, in the wrong order. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. This is uh, from verse 6. Uh, the cow and the bear shall graze, their young lion uh, shall lie down together, that is the calf and the cub, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, a nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and a weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. Okay, they're very expressive words. And once again, by use of a parable, what is Isaiah trying to convey to his readers after he's talked about the righteous judgment of the branch? Well, he's not really talking about flora, fauna, animals, and, and uh, the, um, the, the, uh, the, the general um, uh, you know, animal kingdom, although he is using those symbols as a method of expressing a very important picture. What he is really talking about is the, the type of people described by the elements of those animals, okay? So let's see, um, you, you would not put a young child in front of an ass uh, or, or an adder's, would you? you? You take them to the farm barn at Handorf, but you don't put them in front of a thing. Well, in some reason, um, you know, this is, uh, uh, this is the expression. What's Isaiah talking about when he talks about a wolf dwelling with a lamb? Well, in this expression, the wolf, the leopard and the lion are put together okay, are types of people. They are essentially aggressors. They are hunters who take initiative, and although they are um, uh, grouped together in this little verse, they are different styles of aggressors, aren't they? On the other hand, we have lambs, calves, and fatted calves, okay? All the opposite to wolves. Wolves, the lonely howl, of a forceful aggressor. You've heard them, uh, you know, maybe in, in videos. Hunting packs who pursue their prey in darkness, seeking the weak, the deficient, the lonely and the feeble, often prey much smaller than their stomachs that they seek to fill. Leopards are lonely hunters, stealthy, intelligent, sleek, lean, capable of taking the youngest and most vulnerable and dragging back to share with the family. Whereas uh, the wolf is hideous and ill-mannered, the leper has a presence of graceful, we might say, professionalism. They look sleek and amazing, but they are still hunters. They might do it with speed and gracefulness, that they still have a very clear goal to kill uh, and to, um, you know, uh, to take their, their prey. Lions are, of course, also hunting packs, but a pride of lions have very distinctive leadership characteristics, don't they? They might even be, as we say, from a distance regal. They have established society, and we might, might describe them even as dictatorial. They, they surround themselves with a pride, um, just like several leaders uh, might in, uh, in the Western and uh, Eastern worlds. Uh, and, of course, Isaiah is drawing out the elements of these animal characteristics to tell us that things will change significantly. On the other hand, you know, a lamb is a young sheep, easily led, dependent on the protection of a shepherd. Uh, you know, they are social creatures. They are easily domesticated. They're friendly and harmless. The young goat, tame, uh, that we've got a picture of there, tame at birth, playful, amiable, slightly dumb, albeit, but, um, but there you go, naive, whatever. 
in the use of the lambs, okay, and the uh, and the fatted lamb, and and the other animals that are gentle, he sees these animals placed in juxtaposition, and he says that the the aggressors of the world, the wolves, the le uh, the lions, and the leopards, okay, will now and look at the word he uses. They will dwell with the lamb, okay. We know that a wolf will hunt a lamb today. He's saying those, that situation will be reversed. Okay? Aggressors in business, aggressors in politics, aggressors in uh, Wall Street. Okay? People that hunt for, for great gain okay? will now no longer be there. They will sit down and they will work with people. Okay, their characteristics are changed. Okay, those that are on the receiving end of the aggressors, those that are pursued by financial organisations, those that are pursued by angry businesses and, and managers in businesses will now sit down, okay, and they will talk and dwell together. Look at the other language that they, they use there. Um, in uh, the leopard shall lie down with the kid. Okay, that's that's the um, that's the description of somebody in quiet and and careful um, rest, isn't it? No longer a, a battle across some uh, field in uh, you know in South Africa where they uh, or, or or Asia where they're going to pursue their prey. Here is a world at rest, and the aggressor, the hunter, and the hunted will now join together because of common policy around uh, social values. <clears throat> uh, what else does he says? Well, he says that, um, uh, oh, and then he says a little child will lead them. Um, and of course, that's remarkable, isn't it? That, uh, that uh, you know, all the aggressors will be gone. Uh, the cow and the bear shall graze. Okay, and bears are um, normally uh, not carnivorous, but they will eat meat uh, when they need to. Um, the lion shall eat straw like the egg, uh, like the ox. Sorry, and something's gone wrong with the um, uh, with the projector there. So here we've got normally aggressive animals that are hunters. Okay, that pursue their prey and tear it apart with crunching bones and and ripped hides. Okay, now their children will sit down together. Okay, remarkable change in society. This is a massive cultural change in the way the world will operate. He goes on to say, um, <clears throat> that the nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. Okay, there's no way you would take a young child and put it near to a snake. Okay, so what's that talking about? That's talking about uh, the, um, the, the young and the, the vulnerable now having, uh, you know, things, um, you know, under control and being able to manage. You know, who are the cobras and, and adders and snakes? Well, scripturally speaking, the serpent or the snake is the symbol of all those that hate God's way. And here's the importance of that first verse in Isaiah 11, that the, or the second verse, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Okay, now we're going to see the change of all those that hate God's ways, that despise the godly. They hate anything that is good. They're out for themselves. They, they have no um, uh, uh, way of thinking anything that's godly. They're cunning. They're resolute, they're sneaky, they're unteachable, they're unable to be domesticated, they're unseen, that's uh, snakes and cobras, they hide and camouflage, they're deadly and frightening, all those kind of things, okay? They spend their life in the dust, they wait for opportunity, uh, uh, opportunistic strike, they strike with speed, agility, and of course they have deadly venom. They're the snakes, aren't they? That's the character of the person that Isaiah is talking about. And that will all change. They won't harm the most vulnerable, simplistic, uneducated, naive, dependent creature known to mankind. 
the young child. The child that is solely dependent on its mother for life and food for you know, several years of their life. So Isaiah's parable is of a culturally changed world. It's a parable of the change in people's attitude to one another and to the world that they're living in. What a wonderful parable that, the, um, that Isaiah is talking about. And he's expressed for us in this rich language, okay, the change that Jesus Christ will bring to the earth. <clears throat> so let's see if we can get to the last slide. And it doesn't look like it's coming up. Oh, here we are. Here we go. What reason do I have is the question we want to ask you this evening for wanting God's kingdom. On the top uh, left there of, your, of the screen, we see the centre of worship established by Ezekiel. Um, it is the, the place that people will honour the king. It is called prophetically Mount Zion. It will be raised up and put in the location of Jerusalem that we know it today on the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, But it will be a very changed world. Around it will be the organisers and the administrators for that kingdom. Okay, Based on the tribes of Judah, of, um, of, um, of Israel, uh, Judah and his brothers, and of course established because God's promises to uh, to uh, the fathers and of course it will affect the world and there we've got a um, I think it's a photo from the uh, space station of the Nile uh, and surrounding areas at night and of course that is going to be the beginning of a major change in the world um, well, uh, you know world um, culture so we've considered this evening the man that is called the branch he has the qualities and abilities to affect massive change on the earth. Those, that massive change will lead to uh, uh, the inequities and the inequalities of today's world being righted and the transition to a world that is very, very different to what we know it today. I hope that uh, satisfies some of the reasons for wanting God's kingdom on earth. Christadelphians look forward to that time and invite you to share uh, with them on that journey by reading God's word and understanding what he has uh, in hand as a merciful father. Thank you.